Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm with a proclamation of the faith of our heart the promise that relates to the coming of Jesus Christ, when He, at the door of hope, will come be glorified in the bodies of His saints. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to Your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, stagnancy, ignorance, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice for your countenance. Give us more from your spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkadi into your divine arms. And we ask that you continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The place of Holy Scripture, we will read the book to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God into righteousness and holiness. And the topic for today's sermon is the right to set aside the former way of life in order to be clothed in a new way of life. Talking about the image of life, we will look at what the image is. And we were presented with the following information, that the image is an illustration of something. This is a format, an image. It is the character and order. And to place of scripture, the book of Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 49, and as we carried the image of the flesh, we will consider the image of the heavenly. At one point, someone had said it's necessary to unite these two images in one, so the image of something that is heavenly and something that is earthly. But here is a completely different desire of God, or rather the decree that is spoken by the Apostle that since before we had the image of what is fleshly, now we need to have the image of what is heavenly, to leave, to set aside something in order to be clothed into something with a different kind of illustration, a different character, a different order, with different goals, and this is tied to a different future. Our strength must be used and must be revealed in order to set aside the former way of life living in this body, which will allow the power of God to be revealed, which will clothe our bodies into a different image, which we know as the reign of the resurrection of Christ in our bodies. 
And for this, it is necessary for us to be dedicated and obedient in order to have a completely different kind of measure of faith. The measure of faith itself is directly related to our dedication expressed in our obedience to the words of the man of God. And we remember that our main goal is rapture, the rapture of the flock, the bride of the lamb, the holy remnant. And upon this event of which will be fulfilled a promise, the reign of the resurrection of Christ in our bodies. That's why the expression, the door of our hope, is rapture itself. And so, before the bride is going to be raptured at the door, it will, she will be raptured in her new body. So, the transformation of our body is the fulfillment of the final promise. That is why the right to set aside, to set aside the former way of life in order to be clothed in a new way of life, pastor had called a faithful and a commanding commandment. And for this, we have three faithful commands. These are to set aside, to renew, and to be clothed. And despite the sequence of this, in this decree it is not written how and what means are necessary to use in order to set aside the former way of life and then to re be renewed in the spirit of our mind and finally begin the process of being clothed into the new man. And who is this new man even? And how do we be clothed in him? This was not as an off, but a certain decree and command which we had joyfully submitted to and begin to collaborate with. And from deciding these three faithful questions will depend whether or not we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or into vessels of wrath. Or rather, will we perfect our salvation that is given to us, gifted to us, in the format of a deposit, or will we waste it, because of which our names will be blotted out of the Book of Life forever. And today, we will take a look at studying the question, what conditions are necessary to fulfill that through our already renewed thinking, we could begin the process of clothing ourselves into the powers of our new man, created by God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holiness of truth. Let's pay our attention to the definition and to the characteristics of the new man in whom we must be clothed. And so our new man is our inner or our innermost man, born from the imperishable seed of the Word of God. As any conception depends on the presence of the seed. In this case, we are referring to the imperishable seed of the Word of God, accepting which will give life of another order. An inner of the inner and new man, which we call, again, the new man, who by nature is righteous, holy, imperishable, and immortal according to its inner state. And this is thanks to the divine power that is contained in the seed of the Word of God. Any seed in this world, as we know, has a program contained in it, and this program, although it is found in the perishable body, it dwells in the fourth dimension of the invisible realm. The program of the seed of the Word of God, which ends up in our prepared soil, first dies and then brings 
fruit brings life. And the program of the seed of the enemy does not have the presence of life in itself. It carries only death, destructive death and the destructive character. And this component of doubt, disbelief, envy and so forth, it is the word of God that has the program of life. And the seed of the enemy has the program of death and will never have the program of life. Thus, our new man that is born from the imperishable seed of the Word of God already carries in itself the measure of eternity but in time. This eternity in time already from the beginning was placed in the seed and therefore does not depend on time and rules over time. Having different kind of eyes which replace the priorities and therefore it looks at the invisible, lives by the invisible, and strives for to the invisible, because of which it calls the inexistent inheritance of Christ in time as existent. This is the fundamental characteristic of faith, meaning faith is the substance of things hoped for, and faith in what, in what is contained in this. Thus, that which is written in the tablets of our heart and the subject of an inheritance that is imperishable and the right to be clothed into the powers of our new man is the right to rule over time with our faith although we live in time this right is tied to the decision of a person to fulfill the commandment or to not fulfill and according to the Hebrew calendar we are living uh, in a certain time frame and God in this time gave us the freedom to choose in all the all his ways he also offered his path and his will that is presented in his commandment which highlights at what time and through which truths should we clothe ourselves into the new man or not clothe to not fulfill the commandment is the freedom he who keeps his command, Ecclesiastes 8, 5 through 7, will experience nothing harmful, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment, because for every matter there is a time and judgment, though the misery of man increases greatly. For he does not know what will happen, so who can tell him when it will occur? Ecclesiastes writes that he does not know and who will tell him. This kind of a person cannot acknowledge anyone over him, over his head. For him, his intellect is his ignorance and this is his personal authority. It's his own White House. It's his own Kremlin, whatever you want to call it. And based on this and other places of scripture, it follows that without rulership over time that is comprised of meeting the commandments that contain the discernment of the time and statutes, it is impossible to be clothed in the robes of righteousness in order to fulfill the perfect justice of God. And upon studying the, na and the natural characteristics of the new man, we decided to look at the uh, seven properties of our new man, although there are many more properties that exist. And so these are a person that is clothed uh, in the robes of righteousness that is crowned with the crown of the bridegroom and the jewels of the bride clothed in linen clean and bright 
and he who has accepted the representative power of Yahweh of hosts. And upon studying these virtues, we made a note that all of these dignities are contained in one another, are found in one another, are based on one another, uphold one another, and serve as the verification of truth for one another. And in Prophet Isaiah, we saw all four of these, which follow after another, and we will read Isaiah chapter 61, verses 10 through 11. I will rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. This was number two. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. These virtues that we are going to look at, according to God's mercy, we are going to be clothed into them, and they are going to be the fruit of our spirit. And this kind of fruit of joy in the heart of a person is the result of the great harvest that yields in his heart the kingdom of heaven, which has come to power, which previously, in the sowing of the imperishable seed, was sown in the heart of this person with tears. And there exists a big difference when the kingdom of heaven is sown as a seed and when it is grown and when it comes having been grown and when it comes into power as it is written in psalms 126 verse 5 david says the following words those who sow in tears shall reap in joy he who continually goes forth weeping bearing seed for sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him Having been found at a gravesite, I think you've paid attention to the dates that are on the gravesites. The date of birth and the date of death, and there is the a name of the person. The date tell us of the birth and his end. But the main informational component of the life of someone that has passed is highlighted. I will read a small poem. A flower falls over a grave. Two dates. And it has united years. The hyphen. The hyphen is our earthly path from the beginning to the end. That's why it's very important for us to pay attention to the res very responsible time in our life which occurs after the sowing in our heart of the promise of God so that no one places their hand in their lap and simply waits for the harvest without applying any effort and the effort is contained in the watering and the keeping hold of what has been sown it is not missing church it is partaking in a relationship with God, it is a certain labor that is involved in a daily, daily. And so, having been clothed in the resurrection of Christ and the subject of the fruit of the Spirit that we offer God, it is called to yield in our heart the power and order of the kingdom of heaven that dwells in us in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
we are once again going to read it in, in a greater uh, ver version. I think you remember that being being clothed and clothing are different. To be clothed is to be surrounded, filled with something, clothed by something, to put on something. This is to enter into the new man. And therefore, having been clothed into the new man is in fact to be clothed in the resurrection of Christ and only then when we offer the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit yields in our heart the power and the order that grows in us and that dwells in us the kingdom of the kingdom of heaven which is expressed in the righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit and we have stopped to study the measure of that price that is necessary to pay for the right to be clothed in the robe of righteousness which clothe us in the powers to be fulfillers of the judgments of God and the next component is the price for the right to be clothed in the robe of righteousness this is to be clothed in redemption that is contained in observing the Pesach of the Lord according to the statute established by God and we will read of uh, the Pesach of the Lord in a different interpretation of the Son of God our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this is John chapter 6 verses 53 to 58 then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Here we are talking about the teaching of the blood of Christ and the teaching of the cross of Christ. And this is important for us to not simply just take a bread and a cup of wine in our hands. For it says, For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. John chapter 6 verses 53 58 and as we know what Christ meant he meant himself and the teaching and we have noted that the main essence of the worthy parting of Pesach is comprised of knowing the teaching that is contained in the truth of the blood of Christ and the truth of the cross of Christ which through instruction and faith is called to open to us free access to the inheritance that is imperishable that is being kept in Christ Jesus for us and for each of us. And if a person through instruction and faith is not going to be taught these two fundamental truths or these two disciplines, which are the root system of the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, then he is not going to have any opportunity to worthy partake of the supper of the Lord. And we will note the importance of the definition to worthily partake of the supper of the Lord, it is necessary to be instructed in faith. Our faith is always in need of instruction according to the teaching, counsel, guidance. Upon this place, the Lord always works together with our faith so that it can be clothed into the faith of God. And this is our obedience. We'll read Exodus chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. 
for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood I will pass over you, and the plague shall be shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. But this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast of the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Exodus chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. According to these words, it follows that the firstborn of Egypt, from which depended the Egyptians, they were the deities of Egypt. And our dependence on something or on someone, we know, defines our deity, our trust, and our worship. Dependence has taken upon itself a negative uh, tone. When people think of dependence, they think about a narcotic dependence, alcoholic dependence, and so forth. But this is also, it can be seen in a positive sense, when we say that we are dependent on the Lord. This is a completely different kind of dependence that defines our worship. And so the firstborn of Egypt represented the image of the soul of a person which refused to lose its soul in the death of the Lord Jesus, to die to his nation, to the house of his father, and to his corrupt desires and inclinations that resist the desires of God. It resists the desires of God. And this means that they are not the firstborn of Egypt, and therefore this means that they have their own deities. And today these snares are created by our uh, by our cultural dependencies our families and it is a strong snare a strong web it is difficult for a person to leave these things he was born in this family or this nation he grew up there it's like a bird that is born in a cage it doesn't know anything about the colors about the sunrises the beautiful sunsets and that's why the songs of joy in the lord it does not sing They say, oh, I am a woeful sinner. Yes, I am. What? In, in his head, he says, he sings that he was, yet he remains. If we do not fulfill the justice of God in condemning our soul to death, and not just condemned him, but condemned him to death, in the worthy partaking of the Pesach of the Lord according to the statute established by God. And if we do not condemn him, then we will never be able to be made heirs of the faith of Abraham, who has been made the father of all believers. And therefore, we will never be able to be clothed in the robe of righteousness in the face of our new and innermost man. Because Abraham, placed by God as a standard of faith, accepted the promises of God in a seed. To him, this was in the format of a seed, and this is the preached word that he simply accepted. This was the seed. Therefore, he left his nation, the house of his father, and he held on to the word that was spoken to him by God, because of which he began to call the inexistent as existent. And in this manner, he grew this seed. This was Abraham's hyphen, date of his birth, date of his death. The hyphen are what he was made up of, his contents, the contents of his life. 
and his joy was expressed in her, his firstborn son. And his joy was expressed in his son, Isaac. And for the treasures of the Pesach of the Lord to be a part of us, Scripture offered us ten conditions so that we can simultaneously dwell in these conditions and these components. This is to select and separate the Pesach of the Lamb. This is to remove all leaven from our home, to sprinkle the blood of the Pesach Lamb on our doorposts, to bake the whole lamb in fire, to gird ourselves with a sash, to put shoes on our feet, to have a staff in our hand, to eat the whole lamb fully, to eat the basic lamb with breads and bitter herbs, and to eat the basic of the Lord in haste. On today's service, we will look at the tenth condition. This is the necessity to eat the basic of the Lord in haste. Exodus twelve eleven. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. It is the element of haste upon eating the Pesach was so important that it is mentioned in Scripture numerously as a certain unchanging law. And it is this element that was used in the Exodus out of Egypt. And it is this element that was placed as a rank of a sign that is able to serve as a sign of circumcision in our heart and, of course, our ear. Deuteronomy 16.3 says, You shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it, that is, the bread of affliction, for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that you may remember the day in which you came out of the land of Egypt all the days of your life. Therefore, a remembrance of the hasteful exodus out of the land of Egypt has a fateful significance from the presence or the lack of which will truly depend if we will realize our salvation or if we lose our salvation. The word haste, aside from its literal definition in the dimension of time, means to hurry, to hasten, to not be late. In Hebrew, in the dimension of the Spirit, it contains a completely different definition that are tied to the sealing in our memory, our redemption from death. And to hasten in Hebrew in the dimension of the Spirit means to take the yoke upon ourselves, to take up our cross, to endure suffering, to be clothed into the mantle of a disciple and the dignity of a disciple, to be clothed in the armor of light, in the powers of the teaching of Christ, to be strengthened by the power according to the glory of God, to renew our thinking, to ponder upon the law of the Almighty, to heed to the word of God with fear and trembling, and to stand watch of the intact truth of the Word of God. And we have read that the element of haste upon eating the Pesach was so important that it is mentioned in Scripture as a certain unchanging law. And the laws that are presented for man is not for man to simply be introduced to them, but in order for him to study them and fulfill them. In this world, they don't know justification. Not knowing the law does not rid somebody of the responsibility to know it. And therefore, we will look at what it means to hasten in the dimension of time, which is also important for us. To hasten to take upon ourselves the yoke, to hasten to take up our cross, to hasten to endure suffering, 
to hasten to be clothed in the mantle of a disciple, to hasten to be clothed in the armor of light and the powers of the teaching of Christ, to hasten to renew our thinking, to hasten to ponder upon the law of the Almighty, to hasten to heed the word of God with fear and trembling, and to hasten to stand watch of the intact truth of the word of God, so that no thought of rebellion could distort that word that we have previously accepted. For even if the most smallest kind of rebelling thought could distort at least one kind of truth, one truth in our heart, which we had accepted with joy at one time, then it is not going to remain in this place, and it is going to, in fact, destroy us, despite the fact that we, for many years, may have visited church. You know, the cleansing of the church is called to happen, and it does to happen. The winnowing fan has been working since long ago. The wind of the Holy Spirit blows the the tears away, and the grain that is that carries the intact truth it remains in place. Considering that partaking of Pesach is the guarantee of the New Testament, which is symbolically symbolically contained in the number ten. Then, looking at these definitions, we decided to look at eight signs in which are contained the definition of haste, although there are many more that exist. And today we will turn to studying the seventh sign of haste, which will serve for us a remembrance, uh, for us as a remembrance and for God. And this is going to be to be strengthened by all power according to the might of the glory of God in all patience with long-suffering, and joy. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11. Strengthen with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. If we have just read this place of Scripture and do not go deeper into it, and it is going to sound simply as a slogan for us. But as a rule, slogans don't teach us anything and don't call us to anything. I remember in our church there was a person who had spoken with the Word of God. In his just daily speech, he included uh, the Word of God in his speech. And I figured how good, how nice it is that he has such a good uh, memory of the Word. And as time went on, I began to be uncomfortable because he was using places of scripture as as nothing and I began to understand that these are slogans taken from the word of God and this knowledge of scripture did not hold the person in the church yes we need to study the word of God but after I have learned it I don't need to uh, throw it around as a stick. If we are unfamiliar what this power is that we have just read about, the glorious power, and if we are unable to define at least, uh, provide at least a definition, then we are not going to be able to 100% collaborate with them. And this means that we won't be able to be found in all patience and long-suffering with joy. Because in Scripture, every power of God, which we are called to be strengthened with upon 
hastening is tied by the capabilities of God. And this is defined by the great powers of God, which are contained and which are shown in the multitude of His works that demonstrate the power of His glory. Thus, only upon our collaboration with the main powers of God, which we would be able to give a place to, to move through us and in us, we will be able to have evidence that we are partaking of the Pesach of the Lord in haste, giving us the opportunity to resist the ambitions of our own personal Egypt. And for this goal, we decided to study what should we view under the power of God that is contained in the might of His glory. And as it was said by Pastor, to collaborate is possible with only those powers which have become understood by us. Not just I have read and it is past. I can... What I understand is that which I can speak to myself. To not repeat it, but to be able to say, speak it to my, and explain it to my, to myself based on the, based on the significance behind it and the definition. Because without understanding the powers of God, dwelling in all patience and long-suffering with joy, which are also the powers of God, it becomes not just un- irrational, but also impossible. And so looking at the first question, what should we view under the powers of God that are contained in the might of His glory? And we arrive to the conclusion that the multifunctionality of the powers of God are defined by the immeasurable opportunities of God that are shown in the works of God through the word that comes from His lips. And from this we can define that all of the multitude of the powers of God are defined by the word of God that comes from the word of faith, from the holy uh, person of God. And this is only when He proclaims the word of faith. This is the multitude of the powers of God. And that word that is spoken by faith is power. The word of God that Abraham had accepted, it became the word of faith and stepped into the word of power. He continually proclaimed this word for himself, especially when his flesh was growing old. And this word for him was power, the mighty power. And in doing so, it made him stronger. He called the inexistent as existent, as Sarah had done. This was every day when they turned to one another. They called each other Sarah and Abraham. This isn't just a mention of names. In these names were contained the program, a program that they proclaimed however many times they spoke to one another during the day. And this gave them power. And also I had activated God. Let's read Psalms chapter five, Psalms chapter 66, verse 3. Say to God, How awesome are your works! Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. In a certain format, we have already looked at certain definitions that yield the nature and character of the specific 
powers of God in the works of God that are done by the Word of God in us and through us under the condition of our knowledge of these powers and our collaboration, of course, with these powers. It is necessary to note that each word, each word has its definition, has its purpose, has its weight, and has its power. The one of the power of the one who proclaims it, and with its proclamation, it defines its that which depends on the word of faith, on the tablets of our heart. It was on the heart, laid on the heart. Some had to find the weight and gave power to their words and to their eyes, having said, The land which we went to go look at is the land which eats up the people living in it and the nation that lives among it. There we see giants. There we saw giants. And we, in our eyes, before them, were like locusts. We were also this in their eyes. This was a completely different proclamation and a different power that was in them. The land to which we went to go and look at was very good. And if the Lord is merciful to us, He is leading us into this land and will give it to us. This land in which flows milk and honey. Only do not rise up against the Lord and do not fear the Lord. They said, the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. One and the others did the work of God and belonged to one nation. From every tribe, they were the head, the, uh, tri- the heads of the tribes. The power is found in the power of the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Representing we are looking at Joshua and Caleb. And we have stopped to look at the next definition of the power of the Lord that is called to define the remembrance of haste upon partaking of Pesach. And this is according to the mercies and uh, uh, the mercies of God. Psalms 5 through 7. But as for me, I will come into your house and the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I worship toward your holy temple. And we have noted that through the multitude of the powers of God that are shown in the might of His mercy to enter into the house of God, it is necessary for our heart to gain the right to not only collaborate with these powers, but also the right to dwell in these powers, to be found in them. And the right to dwelling in the powers of God that are presented in the multitude of His mercies is the fear of the Lord that is yielded as the wisdom of God that dwells in our heart in the format of the mind of Christ, which in with which we renewed our thinking, meaning our mind must be renewed. Otherwise, the spirit of a person will be unable to reveal itself through the body, which is the weapon of righteousness, if unless the mind is renewed. And all having been renewed in faith, this is possible through instruction. And so the fear of the Lord, 
yielded as the wisdom of God that dwells in her heart in the format of the mind of Christ, which in the dignity of a commander is called to lead all of these powers after itself in order to blot out before the face of God our transgressions and clothe us into his unblemished joy. Furthermore, we had noted that to collaborate with the multitude of the mercies of God that clothe us in the powers and the ability to practice the justice of God is possible only in the boundaries, and these boundaries are truth and righteousness which means that these powers of God that are contained in these mercies can be revealed only in the boundaries of the highlighted truth, which in practice means that each time when we are honoring the Sabbath and the subject of our partaking in our congregation, members of which we are, we must prepare the soil of our heart to accepting the seed of the preached word about the kingdom of heaven. From this will begin the collaboration of our mind with the mind of God. Exodus 31, 6 And I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. And wisdom is comprised of the fact that the heart accepts its, the heart prepares itself not for the format of service, but it prepares itself to hear what the Lord says. When I was driving with my spouse about a month ago to church, I caught myself at this thought. Usually, I won't say we have a tradition, but usually when we drive to church, my spouse takes the checkbook, says how much she earned, how much I earned, and then we come to the result of the check which we must bring to service in listening to the sermon I begin to understand you are doing so incorrectly you had to do this yesterday put your check or your money in your pocket bring it to the church but when you go to church you're not supposed to think about this so of course we must have the sacrifice present but it is not the main thing for God but for me this was the main thing I drove and I thought I was going to church and therefore talking about this the importance is preparing our heart to hear the word of God in these words a person will be able to understand how to faithfully prepare himself how to faithfully proclaim not just to read scripture but these truths are found deep in the heart and if they are not then before God this is a crime if all that is in our lips is not what is contained in our heart First, we must hear. It must pass through my instructed ear, not physical, but through my instructed ear. We must then place this word, and as a result, it is going to become our faith. So there is the word. How do I make it so that it is mine? I am called to gain this word. It must become mine in any way. Because if the Lord has presented it to me, then I must gain this word, and this is my obligation. This is like when a woman has gotten pregnant, only she knows that she has gotten pregnant. You remember the definition of idle words. They are those words that are not where? Idle words that are not where? 
correct, in the heart. In the Russian language, idle words characterizes that woman that has no fruit, that is barren, but she who can become pregnant, she is not called idle. I think I'm not saying that these are people in our services, but there are people I've known before. Where are your works? Where are your fruits? We are going to evangelize. We are going to do this. But where are you? What are you doing? We must firmly, firmly know that we have accepted the Word of God in our heart. And if you know, then hold on to it. Water it. Hold on to it. Collaborate with it just as a pregnant woman does with her fruit. And then all of those around us, they're going to grow quiet when they say, give us your oil. This is that hyphen, that time that we are given, that we must use to gain this word. When we faithfully act towards the word of God that we hear, and when we we do not panic when if we don't understand something, we leave this word as the table on the on the bread on the table of showbreads. But that which we do understand is our food, and based on the measure of our dedication, is increased the measure of our faith. And time comes, and we again gain these breads from the table of showbreads that transform into that oil that is going to be found in that vessel that we're going to pour in our lamp so that it could continually burn. And this is important. This means to stand on the tower of our heart and to observe what the Lord will say to me, to wait for the revelation of the truth that we have heard. There was a time before where perhaps I would panic where that I would see certain truths, under, uh, certain saints understand certain truths. And for me, yes, I had accepted a certain truth, but I had understood that if I have accepted a truth, I can write it on paper, I can explain it, but if I have accepted it and I've understood one thing, don't say that this is not yours. Don't say that this is not for you. It is mine. It is for me. And in a certain day, I am going to understand it. And this is what happens in our life. And I think that for you, you are also in the same situation. And therefore, the most important is to be faithful. The most important is to be continual in this collaboration, to be vigilant. And the most important is to not look at anyone else. We must look look after our own lamp. We must look after our own behavior. And for all of this to occur, we need to have a wise or prepared heart that is not foolish, that a foolish heart which continually says, I don't understand, can you say it simpler? Of course, the words of God are a completely different level, but if a person can't take food for himself from the golden table of showbreads, then this is uh, this is bad. This person is not a warrior prayer, and this person cannot be a priest. Therefore, the wise is defined as that heart which, on the legal fr- in the legal framework of truth, prepare themselves for hearing the preached word about the kingdom of heaven, with the intention of immediately 
fulfilling it. Immediately and irrefutably fulfilling it. To not hear it and to forget about it, but to hear and fulfill it. This is the state of a warrior. Warriors and soldiers fulfill the commands and decrees of their superiors. And when looking at the question, what purpose in the relationship between God and a person redeemed by Him is the remembrance of the works of God called to fulfill that are made by Him in the days of the old and sealed on the tablets of our heart, we, in a certain format, have looked at three components that serve as a remembrance before God and have stopped to study the fourth component. This is the breastplate of judgment of the high priest. And so the fourth component of the purpose of the remembrance of the works of God in our heart is the breastplate of judgment. This item was laid near the heart of the breast of the priest because it served as a remembrance before God. According to its status, it differed, and according to its purpose, it differed. Because again, it was a continual remembrance before God, not just an ordinary uh, necklace or an ornament that would be pleasing to look at. Practically, when the place of worship in our heart coincides to the norms and requirements of truth that are expressed in the order of divine theocracy, upon which the Lord laid a remembrance of His name, then for entering into the presence of the Lord, we will need the element of a continual remembrance before the Lord. This is the breastplate of judgment, which we are called to carry continually as a remembrance before the Lord. This means that this decree is uh, related to the heart of the person directly. The material, the means, the measurements, and the makeup of the breastplate of judgment we can receive only one way, through instruction in faith. And this is that which we do at each service. We receive instruction in faith. This is that which characterizes the continual presence of the Holy Spirit upon this place. For when He comes, He will instruct, comfort, and tell us of the future. But to make the breastplate of judgment and to lay it on our heart is our our role individually and our responsibility before God. And so the breastplate of judgment as a subject of a continual memorial before God is the image of the format of a continual prayer. And I think that you remember quite well as when Pastor said that the reason why a person can't receive many things from the Lord is because he does not have a continual memorial before him. And Pastor says that we pray and then we seize because we don't see any results. Maybe someone sees results, but this person says, not me. How much time do I need to pray until I receive some kind of result? I have a feeling that I am praying and nothing is happening. All right, we'll ask a question. Well, how long did Abraham pray for? How much? How long did he water? How long did he call the inexistent as existent? I think you might think that this is an image that we are just continually remembering, but this Abraham, this man is called the father of of those that are in the faith. Therefore, this image is one of the important in our faith. He prayed until what? Until he had received. 
and him and his spouse grew old, but this did not get in the way for them to rely on the word that came from the lips of God. And they both had continued to call the inexistent as existent. And this was this hyphen in their life, what it was filled with for all of their life, this is what they did. They knew that they would receive this fruit. And this is not an occult action, but this is faith in that which has come from the mouth of God. These are not just human desires. You must understand uh, that there are likely those around this couple that laughed at them. As some laugh at us when they ask, are you still going to that church? Are there still a lot of you left? Uh, They are afraid to say the name of our church. I love to answer them and say, will you go, come yourself and take a look. We, like Abraham and Sarah, are looked at those that are probably delusional, but we must remember that this is our price and this is our privilege when others speak poorly of us. We give greater significance to the Word of God and it has become more precious, more precious, which has dimmed everything else in this world for us. Therefore, the format of a continual prayer is to continually remember and speak to oneself who God is for me in Christ Jesus, what He has done for me, who I am for Him, what is mine by right, and to call the inexistent as existent, specifically that word which I have heard, that word which I have accepted. It belongs to me, it belongs to you by right. Furthermore, prayer that does not coincide with the requirements and characteristics of the breastfed of judgment does not have a right to be called a prayer. Only the format of a continual prayer gives us the right to enter into the sanctuary as kings and priests to God. Only they enter. The others are in the outer court. They had nothing in relation to the building of the temple which are called to represent the interests of the judgment of God according to those commandments and statutes which yield the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh and the twelve precious stones and the twelve names of the sons of Jacob engraved on these stones. Colossians 4.2 Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. So continuity in prayer must be tied to vigilance, which is presented in the status of a faithful commandment that defines the state and atmosphere of our burning lamp. So, our burning spirit. And for it to burn, this is our care for it to burn, not God's. God offers everything for us so that we can then use it so that our lamp can burn. And the Word of God says, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke 21.36 And without the element of a continual prayer, we will become a sacrifice of the future calamities and will not be able to stand before the Son of Man when He comes to gather His own from this earth. Because the order of the breastplate of judgment has its sequence, what, where, and when we must do to meet the requirements of a worshiper whom the Lord searches for Himself. And upon violating the sequence, 
the breastplate of judgment that yields the state and nature of a worshiper, it cannot be called, therefore, a breastplate of judgment. John 4, 23-24, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. This tells us that the Heavenly Father continues His search to this day. From this place of scripture, we see that he is seeking such true worshipers. And as soon as his army is complete, when he takes up a certain number of worshipers and those events pass of which were preached about, the small group of saints that had waited not for the tr- uh, the times of tribulation, wars, persecution, but they prepared themselves for meeting with the one whom she loved. and for whom she lost for whom she gave up all values of this earth and to worship the father in spirit and truth we must be a true worshiper according to the state of our heart expressed in motives the most important is the motive what did you mean when you said what did you mean when you appraised this person what did you mean in which a person speaks the truth in his heart and according to the confession of this state which yields the faith of his heart which in practice means to not distort the truth when pursuing the goals established by God and scripture as many had done before and many continue to do either due to their ignorance due to their hypocrisy or selfishness or due to their envy and I think the last one is the strongest out of all that has happening with Christ everywhere this is due to envy and therefore to be vigilant in prayer and thus to meet the requirements in the state of a true worshiper we begin to look at the order of the makeup of the breastplate of judgment and that sequence in which it is presented in scripture and so Exodus chapter 28 verse 15 you shall make the breastplate of judgment artistically woven according to the workmanship of the ephod you shall make it of gold blue purple and scarlet thread and fine woven linen you shall make it. It shall be doubled into a square, a span shall be its length, and a span shall be its width. And we have noted that in the Septuagint, the breastplate of judgment is called the sign of justice. The image of the breastplate of judgment finds its expression in the conscience of a person. Take a look, it finds its expression in the conscience of a person, cleansed, from dead works on the tablets of which on a seal is sealed the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh because our conscience can judge us only on the basis of those commandments which we have carried in our heart thus it is the conscience that is cleansed from dead works with the truth sealed on it that yields the nature of true worshipers who are going to give God the right to move in them and through them on planet earth and it is such worshippers that the father is searching for himself God is the spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth for such worshippers the father is searching for him John 4 verses 24 through 23 
ignorance in the knowledge of truth expressed in the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh will not allow a person to worship in this spirit and his conscience that is not cleansed from dead works. A very negative quality, ignorance, is the lack of desire, the resistance. When the neck is stronger than the command of the Lord, this is ignorance. Because in his conscience, there lacks the truth in the subject of the breastplate of judgment that defines the right to enter into the presence of God. As we know, the ephod and the breastplate of judgment was a square. It was a span in length and a span in width. And this is the distance between the thumb and the middle finger. This is defined as a span. This is the medium median hand of an adult. And this breastplate of judgment was made out of gold, scarlet, blue, purple thread. The image of the shape, the image of the shape of it is the image of the sanctuary of the heart that is made up of two components, the holy and the holy of holies. So, the renewed mind is the sanctuary and the holy of holies, which is the conscience. This is our spirit. During previous services, in the previous sermon where when I had last spoken, based on the measure of our faith and in a certain format we looked at the measure material of the breastplate judgment and therefore we will then take a look further this is written in exodus chapter 20 verses 17 through 21 and you shall put settings of stones in it four rows of stones the first row shall be a sardius what's interesting is that these precious stones will not as we read the book from top to bottom but we are going to list them and study them as a tree that is going upwards, so from t- from bottom to top. First we have sardius, a topaz, and an emerald. The second row shall be a turquoise, sapphire, and diamond. Third row, a jason, then a gate, and an amethyst. Fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold settings. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, Twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, each one with its own name, they shall be according to the twelve tribes. And I want to pay your attention to the fact that not too long ago, when we we were met with Jasper, that represents in the t- teaching of Jesus Christ, the teaching of baptism, or rather, baptism in water, which represents for us the first foundation of the wall of New Jerusalem. And here we were met with Jasper as the as the last as the last one, which is the which is the thread that unites the priest and the warrior prayer. In the teaching of Jesus Christ, Jasper is the first foundation, the foundation of. The covenant, covenant agreement between God and man. And therefore, the level of the doctrine of baptisms is seen as the doc- as in Jasper. And this Jasper uncovers one of the names of God, Elhai, living God, or Beersheet. And so the 
following images that are going to be tied to the precious stone jasper furthermore we're going to talk about jasper we're going to testify of the direct meanings and powers that are contained in baptism in water we ask a question well what does that have to do with christ and his teaching we are looking at the garments and the items that belong to the high priest when people say we read more from the Old Testament than the New Testament. We, I will pay attention to a place of scripture. And Jesus said to his disciples, Here is that which I have spoken to you, all that is called to be written about me in the laws of the Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And we ought to say that Christ lived in the line of the Old Testament. All of this that is written about our Savior in the laws, prophets, and Psalms, we are called to not just find and read, but to study, be immersed in, and to understand that this is our fate. If we are found in Him, and He is found in us. If He is our fortress, and we are a fortress for Him. I am Alpha and Omega, He says, beginning and the end, the first and the last. All of this is formed into one man, in one preparation, in one image, in one future. And so the precious stone, Jasper, is one of the twelve precious stones which we met with on the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, directly at his heart, which points to his faithful significance, it's to its faithful significance without which we cannot enter into the presence of God. Also the high priest, also us. And therefore, a person that has not been immersed into the death of Christ through water baptism, the path to the presence of God will be close to him, and that is not all. Thanks to the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment, and in part the precious jasper stone, we have the opportunity to hear the voice of God that is going to give us the revelation about himself, specifically in the format of baptism in water. And we must remember what the format of water baptism is. We must remember that this is not a certificate that is given by pastors after water baptism that testify that this person has made a covenant with God. No, this is the state, a continual state of a person that is continually found in the death of the Lord. Just like a Jew, it's not based on the fact of uh, the partaking to his nation, it is his state. And so a question, why then do we need water baptism? Why is it necessary? It is necessary for us to be able to enter into the presence of God. And the most important, it gives us the opportunity to hear the voice of God in the words of the messengers of God, and not just to hear, but also to understand. And so for a person who has not been immersed in and who does not dwell in the death of the Lord Jesus through water baptism, the path to the throne in Christ Jesus will be impossible. And therefore, this kind of a person will remain an eternal captive of the second death. So, baptism is not just one event of being baptized in water, immersed in water. This is continually dwelling in Christ's death. Otherwise, it is said, again, this is not the physical washing of uncleanliness, uh, that the sins are left underwater. Some, this is as some understand it. When we offer baptism, we offer it to those that are already blameless and holy, and this baptism is set then as a seal on the document of righteousness. 
Jasper's, Jasper is a precious stone. It is, again, not an expensive, yet it is a precious stone because God has His own level of value. It, in the spiritual sense, is significant and valued by God. All that is valuable in the eyes of God now we took that all of this significance that is contained in the jasper stone was always also also present on the breastplate of judgment of the high priest and we value this word when we do not distort it the precious stones were called to be placed into golden settings and it was necessary to prepare and to place it in the breastplate of judgment there were these stones were called to be four rows of three and so the breastplate of judgment prepared with the golden settings prepared for the precious stones that coincided to the golden settings this is an image of the judgment of god and the teaching of jesus christ who came in the flesh engraved on the tablets of our heart which we as worshipers of god are called to represent in our continual prayer John chapter 9 verses 39 through 41 and Jesus said for judgment I have come into this world that those who do not see may see and that those who see may be made blind Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him are we blind also Jesus said to them if you are blind you would have no sin but now you say we see therefore your sin remains And the twelve precious stones with the engravings of the names of the sons of Israel is the image and the format of our continual prayer, which represents the perfect judgments of God. When I had first heard expression of a continual prayer, I was horrified at first. How is this possible? How is it possible being found at work? How is it possible thinking about something physical in my life a material sphere how can I continually pray and to me this was I placed it on a shelf I didn't understand it and there was a certain time that passed and pastor came out and he said a continual prayer is char- characterized as relations with God that are not interrupted by sin and therefore this is the abil- this is the ability to keep a continual prayer whatever you may do the background will be our relationship with God those circumstances that need we need to decide we will decide them not from the position of well I want this this will be beneficial to me no I will do it from the position of a dedicated person is this going to be uh, is this going to be just is this going to be correct how can I worthily partake this is the state this continual state it in time has grown in such a way that I even more and more not just have a need of but am often found in decisions in questions achieving some kind of goal with this background continually in connection with God this is possible and it is possible to live in such a way without God we can only sin 
In practice, a continual prayer that represents the perfect judgments of God are called to occur through the proclamation of the faith of a heart with our lips, because our faith is defined by the obedience of the faith of God that is engraved on the tablets of our heart. Again, our faith is defined by our obedience to the faith of God. Can I do this? No, as it was said, thus you shall do. And there is no personal questions. And then we realize, well, it's good then that I didn't ask. It's good that I didn't stick my nose there. That would have been incorrect. And this is good. Therefore, the location of the precious stones on the breastplate of judgment, we see also in the image of the 12 foundations of the walls of New Jerusalem, as well as the 12 pearly gates. With one difference, though, on the breastplate of judgment, on the 12 precious stones, the names of the 12 sons of Jacob and were engraved in a different order than in the 12 foundations of the walls of New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem made out of jasper and on the 12 gates of New Jerusalem. Therefore, the breastplate of judgment and the 12 precious stones carries in itself uh, various functions, a, a different purpose and a different uh, composition than the 12 foundations of the walls and 12 gates of the New Jerusalem. We ought to note that the 12 sons of Jacob had no relation to the law of Moses, nor could they had, have had a relation to it, because the law came later when they had already went on into eternity. Therefore, the breastplate of judgment is an image of the future worshiper of God, not the worshiper who worshipped there in the face of the high priest who just one time had the right to enter into the Holy of Holies for worship. But we ought to continually pray and we need to have a continual relation or fellowship communication with God. And David was such a worshiper who carried the ephod of the high priest even outside of the temple and he had worn it and he had called God through Urim and Thummim and God had answered him. The Urim and Thummim that were found in the breastplate of judgment like in a pocket. They were a part of this breastplate of judgment. It was seen as one whole. And here is one other wonderful detail. In the position of the 12 precious stones of the breastplate of judgment, they were uh, laid out from bottom to top as the growing tree of life out of the soil of a good heart. For example, the 12 foundations of New Jerusalem made out of 12 precious stones were called to serve as the reigning foundation of our salvation, the functions of which are called to bring us to perfection. Because the function of these precious stones are called to, as we have already understood and heard, they are called to bring us to perfection. Oh, if I were to be as a tower, says the most beautiful of women, and she says, I am a wall, and my breasts are like towers. Therefore, in his eyes, I will be as one that has found fullness. In his eyes, how does she view herself? Not as those others. Not in the eyes of others. We look at how God views us, what kind of appraisal God gives us, and not what people give. Therefore, you see different functions. Here, the 12 foundations of the wall represent the functions of perfection. The 12 gates, the new Jerusalem, 
represents an image of a living sacrifice that is called to serve as a testimony of our dwelling in the trials with Christ. The functions of which are called to be the key that opens the door to the tree of life that yields in our heart the kingdom of heaven. The twelve gates and each of the gates was made out of a pearl and we ought to enter through these gates through this pearl how do we enter through it or pass through it if we ourselves do not grow this state so the state of a pearl or continual state this is our faith she considered that which had grown and became precious in the eyes of God and people this must be precious to us and these gates we have to enter through them this is a spiritual significance that we can understand when when we returned to the teaching then you know I begin to see a lot of things for the very first time. Perhaps I don't know. I don't know why I didn't see them before, but when I saw them, I realized that death is a dignity. This is that which will allow us not just to remain alive, but to be victorious. These are the 12 gates. They're not, it's not one gate, 12 components, 12 gates. We must simultaneously dwell in this state. And I think, friends, today that I will conclude at this thought because I don't think that I will have a time to review all the material full, and I won't do as I had done last time. I think that we will pray and thank God, that that word that we have heard, that care that God shows us through the word that we hear at every service, through that word of affirmation of the covenant which we dwell in. And we are going to thank God and worship our Heavenly Father. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we turn to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and we thank you for the great privilege to be found in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your glorious and holy name. We thank you that upon this place you have laid a remembrance of your holy name. And we are grateful for the opportunity to affirm that word which we had accepted. This is your mercy for us. And we know that according to your mercy, we have not disappeared. 
for your mercy endures. It is renewed for us every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you, each of us individually, had delivered us from the vain life of our forefathers. From the program of this fallen cherubim, and we know that we despise what is carnal, what is demonic. And I thank you, Lord, that you have placed a different law, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus and each of us individually. And I thank you, Lord, for your care for each of us, for this privilege to continually consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, to view ourselves, to hold on to this proclamation for faithful is the one who has started this work in us. He will complete it until the end. We are grateful to you, Lord, that the commandments of man we have despised, but your law we have loved. And it has become the light upon our path. We thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity to stand before you and to proclaim that as the Lord lives our rock, and we will not stumble forever and ever for you in Christ Jesus have become the Lord our strength rock fortress deliver shield rock horn of our salvation refuge we will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised and you will deliver us from our enemies we thank you Lord for the opportunity to submit ourselves to this word to not rely on the power of our own intellect and to acknowledge the authority of the person that you have placed before us we thank you for the opportunity to voluntarily submit ourselves to this word. And we, Lord, thank you for the total restoration of the physical strengths of our pastor, Brother Arkadi. May this man be blessed in his spouse and his whole household. We thank you, Lord, that we have a lamp among us. We thank you for that light, for those words of instruction, for that fatherly care for each individual saint. We thank you for this calling to be clothed in the dignity of a warrior prayer. And we thank you, Lord, that we are able to be priests before you, to take prayer words. We are grateful to you, Lord, that the rocks of your altar have been gathered and we are again being studied, uh, being immersed into your the study of your teaching which is the foundation of our salvation and we thank you for this we worship before you our loving God Father Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now, friends, let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with unblemished joy, 
to God, our Savior, who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.